My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. E.T. Carpe diem. Seize the day. There's no place like home. He's looking at you, kid. Do or do not. There is no try. They remember forever the night they played the Titans. Welcome to the church at Estrella. We are so glad that you guys are here today. My name is Pastor Caleb. I'm the family pastor here. And man, what a great day and what a great series we are on. We've been having so much fun with this series called At the Movies. And man, if you are joining us online today, we are so glad that you are here as well. We, uh, whether you're vacationing or wedding planning or whatever, we're glad that you're here as well. So if this is your first time here, you haven't been in a while because you're big, you've been wherever you've been, we're doing a series called At the Movies where we are telling the parables of Jesus, but we are using movies in order to tell those stories. And it's been fun and it's been exciting, but I don't want to talk too long before we get into it. So let's go ahead and enjoy at the movies. wanted to know. Uh, you're old enough, I suppose. You should know the story. Okay, here we go. It was 1832 on a night much like this. Charles Carroll was the last surviving signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was also a member of a secret society known as the Masons. And he knew he was dying. He woke up his stable boy in the middle of the night and ordered him to take him to the White House to see Andrew Jackson, because it was urgent that he speak to the president. Did he talk to him? No, he never got the chance. The president wasn't there that night. But Charles Carroll had a secret. 
So he took into his confidence the one person he could, my grandfather's grandfather, Thomas Gates. What was the secret? A treasure. A treasure beyond all imagining. A treasure that had been fought over for centuries by tyrants, pharaohs, emperors, warlords. And every time it changed hands, it grew larger. And then suddenly, it vanished. didn't reappear for more than a thousand years when knights from the First Crusade discovered secret vaults beneath the Temple of Solomon. You see, the knights who found the vaults believed that the treasure was too great for any one man, not even a king. They brought the treasure back to Europe and took the name the Knights Templar. Over the next century, they smuggled it out of Europe they formed a new brotherhood called the Freemasons in honor of the builders of the great temple. War followed. By the time of the American Revolution, the treasure had been hidden again. By then, the Masons included George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Paul Revere. They knew they had to make sure the treasure would never fall into the hands of the British. So they devised a series of clues and maps to its location. Over time, the clues were lost or forgotten until only one remained, and that was the secret that Charles Carroll entrusted to young Thomas Gates. Charlotte. The secret lies with Charlotte. Who's Charlotte? Oh, not even Mr. Carroll knew that. Now look here, Ben. The Freemasons among our founding fathers left us clues like these. The unfinished pyramid, the all-seeing eye, symbols of the Knights Templar, guardians of the treasure. They're speaking to us through these. You mean laughing at us? You know what that dollar represents? The entire Gates family fortune. Six generations of fools. Chasing after fool's gold. It's not about the money, Patrick. It's never been about the money. Come on, son. Time to go. National Treasure is one of my all-time favorite movies. I love how it opens up with the grandfather passing on a story to his grandson. And you could tell from the moment that his grandfather starts telling this story, his grandson is hooked. Uh, we later learn that his grandson is named Ben. And this story has everything that a good story should have to it. It has knights and treasure and adventure and clues leading up to this amazing and wonderful treasure that nobody knows where it is. When Jesus taught, when he taught um, his stories, he wanted to make sure that Everyone, regardless of their age and their socioeconomic status, regardless of where they lived in the world, they wanted to make sure that he wanted to make sure that everyone could understand who he was and what he came to do. 
And he did that by using stories. Stories that from the moment that Jesus started speaking, it drew them in. They wanted to know more. They wanted to figure out how the story was going to end. And so just like Jesus used his parables, we um, are going to be, uh, we, that's why we're using the movies for us to tell Jesus' parables. So um, I, I love how just enamored um, ben was with the story. And so uh, today, as we as look at our story, um, we are going to be actually looking at a couple of treasure hunters ourselves. And so um, we're going to be looking at two of the shortest parables that Jesus told. They're in the list of what's called kingdom parables. They're at the very end of a list of parables that Jesus told, trying to describe what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven was like. They're actually two of Jesus' shortest parables, which you're like, yeah, maybe you won't talk as long this week. And hopefully that's the goal, right? Um, but we are going to be looking at two of these parables that um, some people break them up, but I believe that they're meant to be read side by side. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Matthew uh, chapter 13. And we're going to be looking at uh, verse 44 through 46, but um, we're going to look at just the first pieces of this for right now. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up. Otherwise, they're going to be up on the screen for us. So Matthew Chapter 13, 14, uh, chapter 13, verse 44a. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And if you jump down to verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. So right from the very beginning, Jesus introduces us to two treasure hunters. And I think that it's interesting that one of the treasure hunters stumbles upon his treasure by accident. He's in a field, and I don't know why he's digging in the field. Um, or maybe like a windstorm kind of came up, and he saw something shiny. But he discovered a treasure on accident. But the second guy, he knew that this treasure, uh, this pearl that uh, was of great value existed. And he was willing to do uh, whatever it took to get that pearl. And so now, um, just in the opening moments of this, uh, of the, these two parables, Jesus introduces us to a really, really big idea, and that is the kingdom of heaven. And so before we jump too far into it, I want to talk to you about what the kingdom of heaven is. And just, it's a really big idea, and it's a really big concept, but we don't have, you know, like four hours or, you know, four months to kind of dive into everything that the kingdom of heaven is, but I want to kind of give you a kind of a, a generalized overview of what the kingdom of heaven is or what the kingdom of God is in this story. So the first is that the kingdom of heaven um, is not physical. In, or, in other words, it is not a kingdom that is found on earth. Um, if you read Romans 14, 17, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when Paul is describing what the kingdom of God or what the kingdom of heaven is, by the way, they are the same thing. They are used um, in the same way. And we can get into why that is and why they use different things, but we just don't have time. But just for today, know that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing. And so what is it? So it's not a kingdom. Um, it's not eating and drinking. It's not physical, right? But what it is is it's righteousness and peace and joy found in the Holy Spirit. 
But these are like three important words. But the first word that we find here is righteousness. And this idea, this righteousness, this word righteousness is a big word. Not only because like it's very long and it has a bunch of uh, letters and it's hard to spell, right? I had to, <laughs> when I typed this out, I don't think I spelled it right one time, right? So it's very long. But it's also very weighty in what it means. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Because if the kingdom of God is righteousness, then what is this word? Righteousness, simply put, means to be acceptable before God. Now, just as a statement, that sounds like, oh yeah, like especially if you've been in church, that sounds like, oh yeah, to be acceptable for, before God. But that is a huge statement, to be acceptable before God. That means that if we choose to surrender our life to Jesus, that that means that we choose to become a part of this kingdom. That means that it doesn't matter what we've done before, the, the, the evil that we have, the, 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 the things that we've done, that Jesus will take all of those and will make us acceptable before God. Even though we're not, Jesus will take that and make us acceptable before him. That means that, man, we have, we have forgiveness. That means that the kingdom of God is salvation. It's amazing. That's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is salvation. It's freedom from bondage. It's freedom from the things that we, of this world, the things that hold us captive, the things that try to distract our minds and our hearts from the one true God and from truth, the things that try to take us away from peace. It's freedom from all of that. That is righteousness. That is salvation. That is the kingdom of God. And man, I know I'm already getting fired up. I feel like you guys should be too. Come on now. This is awesome, right? That's righteousness. That is good. And the really good news is, is it's a free gift that we all can have. It's a free gift that Jesus, through Jesus, that we can have and we have access to. The kingdom of God is salvation. It's righteousness. But as a part of that, it is also peace and it is joy in whatever circumstances that we are in. It is amazing and it is awesome. And that is the treasure with which Jesus is describing in this parable. He said the kingdom of God is like a treasure. It's like a pearl. And all of this is in one statement, and that is huge. But that's not even the point of today's story and parable, because that's great news. But Jesus had already spent several parables describing what the kingdom of God is and trying to convince people that it exists. Jesus is not in this parable trying to convince us that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is real. No, Jesus knew that, uh, Jesus also knew that the the people that he was talking to wouldn't have any idea about all the things that I just described to you of what the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God was. I'm just kind of giving you an inside um, track on that because we can look at the rest of scripture and we can piece that together through the Holy Spirit. But that's not the point of the parable. I just got really excited about that as I was reading it and discovering what the kingdom of God is and I wanted to give that to you. So there you go. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's the great treasure and that's the pearl of greatest price. So now that we know that that it exists. Now we know this thing is real and that we can have it. Now we're in the same boat as our treasure hunters. Now we're in the same place that Ben is, right? It exists. It's real. It's beyond anything we can ever imagine and hope and dream. That's what the kingdom of God is. So what's the point of the parable then? Because that sounded like a message. Let's wrap it up and go home. Amen. Yeah, right? But that's not the point of the message. The point of the message, the point that Jesus was trying to get to 
was he wanted to ask his audience a question. He wanted to ask them a question. And that the way that they answered the question was going to change everything. It could affect literally every part of a person. Everything. Who you are now, who you have been, and who you are moving forward. The way that you answer this question can change everything. And so that's what Jesus wanted to do. And so now that the, the two have discovered, the two treasure hunters in our parable have discovered the treasure, Ben knows that the treasure exists. What he does in the movie, if you guys have seen it, it's an older movie, but it's so good. Not necessarily historically accurate, but still a fun story, right? Which is a parable. So um, now that Ben has discovered this treasure, we're going to find out what he has done um, with that information. You see, the point that Jesus wanted to make was not only to, in telling parables, not only to communicate who he was and what he was to do, but he wanted to make sure that um, people came away with something. They wanted to make sure that they, they left with something, even if that something was not having an idea of what they just heard, <laughs> right? And so Ben came away with this wonderful imagination of this treasure, and so we find out that he's dedicated his life to find it, and in this next clip, we're going to see that, man, he found it. He found the Charlotte, but what he found in the Charlotte was not what they were expecting. You see, instead of finding the treasure, they find another clue that they have to decipher. Two years ago, if you hadn't shown up, hadn't believed the treasure was real, I don't know if I ever would have found Charlotte. You would have found it, I have no doubt. That's why I didn't think it was as crazy an investment as everyone said. I'm just relieved that I'm not as crazy as everyone says, or said my dad was, or my granddad, or my great-granddad. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go find some treasure. Yeah, bring us back something. Iron does not describe the ink in the pen. It describes what was penned. It was iron. It was firm. It was mineral. No, no, no. It was... It was firm, it was adamant, it was resolved. It was resolved. Mr. Matlack Canafen. Timothy Matlack was the official scribe of the Continental Congress. Calligrapher, not writer. And to make sure he could not offend the map, it was put on the back of a resolution that he transcribed, a resolution that 55 men signed. The Declaration of Independence. Oh. <laughs> Come on, there's no uh, invisible map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. That's clever, really. A document of that importance would ensure the map's survival. And you said there were several Masons signed it, yeah? Yeah. Nine for sure. We'll have to arrange a way to examine it. <clears throat> This is one of the most important documents in history. They're not just gonna let us waltz in there and run chemical tests on it. And what do you propose we do? I don't know. We could borrow it. Steal it? I don't think so. Pen. 
The treasure of the Knights Templar is the treasure of all treasures. Oh, I didn't know that, really. Look, Ben. I understand your bitterness, I really do. You spent your entire life searching for this treasure, only to have the respected historical community treat you and your family with mockery and contempt. You should be able to rub this treasure in their arrogant faces, and I want you to have the chance to do that. How? Oh. We all have our areas of expertise. You don't think mine are limited to writing checks, do you? Another life. I arranged a number of operations of questionable legality. I take his word for it, are you? So don't worry. I'll make all the arrangements. No. I'd really need your help here. Ian. I'm not going to let you steal the Declaration of Independence. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he had to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. I love watching Ben solve the riddles in this movie. Not only in this scene, but if you watch the movie, you can see every time he gets a new clue and a new riddle, he solves it. And you can see like the joy and the giddiness kind of on his face as he figures out these clues and he uses all this, this knowledge and these things that he studied to figure out the answers to the clues. I would, I would even venture to say that, that Ben gets just as much enjoyment and fulfillment out of chasing this treasure and pursuing the treasure as he does maybe finding the satisfaction that he got while finding the treasure. Might have just given away the uh, ending of the movie. Spoiler alert, right? If you haven't seen it by now, I'm sorry. Like, I think you missed your chance, right? But he gets just as much of enjoyment and joy out of pursuing this treasure as he does actually finding it. And so I think that, you know, in there's this misconception that, that Christianity and pursuing Christ, pursuing that treasure, pursuing the kingdom of heaven is a really boring thing, right? A lot of people think because it's hard, because Christians make hard choices, that they, they choose to do things that are different or that seem a little bit, you know, outside of the norm, that it's boring and that it's no fun and that we're a bunch of like killjoys and fuddy-duddies or whatever you wanna, word you want to use, right? I think that they think that. I know they think that because I've had conversations with people like, I don't want to do that because I want to have fun, right? And as long as I'm having fun and everybody's with me having fun, it's all right, okay? But what they don't understand that following Christ is full of joy. Pursuing this treasure is the most joyful thing a person can do. In the parable, in verse 44, it says, the treasure hunter excitedly uh, hides the treasure again and sells everything in order to get it. So he excitedly sells all that he has. In other uh, translations, it says, in his joy, this man sells everything he has in order to buy this field. So that means that he didn't just like, man, I found this awesome treasure. I got to give everything up in order to get it. Man, I got to sell my car and I got to give up all these things. No, he didn't do it just kind of like, 
you know, um, sadly or begrudgingly. He did it joyfully. He did it excitedly. Why? Because he found something that was worth more than anything that he could ever hope and have in this life. And so he, he didn't even give it a second thought. He's like, you know what? Whatever it takes, I'm going to sell everything I have and I'm going to chop off my right arm and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get enough money to buy this field so I can get this treasure. I love it. What if we did that in pursuit of the kingdom of God? What would our life look like? How would it be different if we, in our joy, were pursuing Christ instead of making it something that we had to do in a box that we had to check off? I think that it would completely change a lot of things. But Ben runs into a problem, right? Um, he finds another clue, but he runs into a problem, and he runs into an issue. He, it was a snag in his plan. We kind of what it was. Somebody else was trying to steal the map and steal the treasure. And so sometimes in our lives as well, things don't exactly go according to plan. And we have to make some choices. If it's any consolation, you had me convinced. It's not. I was thinking, what if we go public, plaster the story all over the internet? It's not like we have our reputations to worry about. Although... I don't think that's exactly going to scare Ian away. 180 years of searching and I'm three feet away. Of all the ideas that became the United States, there's a line here that's at the heart of all the others. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. People don't talk that way anymore. Beautiful. Huh. No idea what you said. It means if there's something wrong, those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action. I'm gonna steal it. What? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> uh, Ben? This is huge. Prison. Huge. You are gonna go to prison, you know that? Yeah, probably. Bother most people? Ian's gonna try to steal it. And if he succeeds, He'll destroy the Declaration. The fact is, the only way to protect the Declaration is to steal it. It's upside down. It's upside down. The next statement that he makes is, I really don't feel like I have a choice in the matter. Without hesitation, Ben, he decides to go so far as to breaking the law in order to steal something, in order to protect the treasure, in order to obtain this treasure of great price. I think that it's interesting. I don't know if you caught it in the parable, but the guy in the parable also does something that's a little morally questionable. Did anybody catch what that was in the parable? Yeah. He was walking in somebody else's field. That's not as, as big of a thing as what I'm talking about, though. He does something that was a little bit morally questionable. Yeah, Katie. Yeah, that's exactly right. So in our parable, right, 
Big guy. Yeah, that was a good job. Yeah, yeah, what? <laughs> right? So that's exactly right. He doesn't tell the owner of the field that he found this treasure that's worth way more than the field and what he paid for it. Right? All right. So before you guys go and, and think like, oh, well, the, the pastor said that the ends justify the means and I should do whatever I want in order to, to reach, you know, what God is telling me to do. That's not the, the point. And, and honestly, that's just a small detail in the story. And the parables, again, are meant to be taken um, for what their main point is. But I think that it's so good and such an important piece and just an interesting thing that this guy was willing to risk everything. He was willing, willing to risk it all. He sold everything and he knew he could get caught, but he was willing to even risk that in order to obtain this treasure. And Ben was willing to do whatever it took to get this treasure and protect this treasure as well, right? And again, Jesus wanted, wants to ask us a question. Everything is leading up to this massive question that Jesus wants us to ask. But before I ask the question, I want us to take a look inside ourselves for a moment. Because when Jesus taught parables, when he spoke in parables, he understood that there were two types of people that were listening to his message. There were two types of people. Those who were ready to receive his message and those who were not. I want to find out who this guy is. Dad. Where's the party? Oh, well, uh, I'm in a little trouble. Is she pregnant? Well, if she is, are you going to leave the woman carrying your grandchild standing out in the cold? I look pregnant. This better not be about that dumb treasure. Well, have a, have a seat. Make yourselves comfortable. There's some pizza. Still warm, I think. Dad. I need the silence to good letters. Yeah, it's about the treasure. And he dragged you two into this nonsense? Literally. I volunteered. Well, unvolunteer before you waste your life. Knock it off, Dad. Sure, sure, I know. I'm the family kook. I have a job, a house, health insurance. At least I had your mother for however brief a time. At least I had you. What do you have? Him? Look, if you just give us the letters, we're gone. You disappoint me, Ben. Well, maybe that's the real Gates family legacy, sons who disappoint their fathers. Get out. Take your troubles with you. I found the Charlotte. The Charlotte. You mean she was a ship? Yeah, she was beautiful. It was amazing, Dad. And the treasure? No, no, but we found another clue that led us here. Yeah, and that'll lead you to another clue. And that's all you'll ever find is another clue. Don't you get it, Ben? I finally figured it out. The legend says that the treasure was buried to keep it from the British. But what really happened was the legend was invented to keep the British occupied searching for buried treasure. Treasure is a myth. I refuse to believe that.
Well, you can believe what you want. You're a grown person. So in the very beginning of the movie, we're introduced to these two characters. We're introduced to Benjamin Franklin Gates, the son, who is just absolutely enamored with this story and ends up dedicating his entire life, like his uh, grandfather before him and like his grandfather before him, trying to find this treasure. But then we're also introduced to Ben's dad. And from the very beginning, we can tell that Ben's dad is bitter and he is almost angry about the whole thing, right? He said, you know, I'm the kook. I'm the family kook because I actually, you know, have built a life for myself. And, you know, he's angry that he would pull everybody else into this and ruin their life and ruin their family's reputation. Even though they've, you know, discovered and, and are amazing historians, their, their family reputation is absolutely ruined because of the search of this treasure, when, when Jesus was speaking about parables, um, and when Jesus asked uh, to his disciples about parables, um, he explained to them this. It, we can find it in Matthew 13, 12. It says, those who listen to my teaching, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. I love this verse because it gives me a heart check every single time I, I read it. Which one am I? Which one are you? Did you come today expecting to hear from God? Did you come desiring for God to speak to your heart? Or are you letting something distract you? Is there something in your mind or in your, in your brain that, that is keeping your heart and your mind far away from God? And, and you're just kind of here to, to, to be here. Are you actively seeking God? Or maybe you don't believe in God. You're not sure that God exists. Are you actively seeking after the truth? Do you want to know truth? Or are you okay with just kind of status quo? Exactly where you are and I'm good, I'm living my life and I'm fine. Which one are you? Those who are seeking God, those who are seeking the truth, those who are seeking to know God, even those who have found God and they're not just, uh, they're not satisfied with how much they know about God, but they continually want to know more and they want to know more and more about Jesus and who he is and they want to dive deeper into his love, into his grace. Those are the people that will experience the grace of God. Those are the ones that will experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Not the other ones. You see, the kingdom of heaven is not just a future or a present tense place. It is also a future place as well. We get to experience the fullness and the grace of God here in the kingdom of God right now. We get to experience that through the Holy Spirit, through having peace in the middle of tough circumstances. We get to experience it by getting to experience his grace every single day that we wake up and we make mistakes. But somehow, some way, we get to experience this amazing grace of God every day. That's living in the kingdom of God. It's freedom from all this fear, and it's freedom from the burdens and the, and the trouble of this life. It doesn't mean that life is easy. It just means that we have a way to get through it, right? But then we also have a hope for the future and what the future will be like, and we have a future promise of what will be. It's wonderful. It's not just a present kingdom. It's a future kingdom, and that is better than any earthly treasure or any earthly kingdom that we can come up with. It's the kingdom of God. And the payoff is going to be amazing.
someone got here first. I'm sorry, Ben. It's gone. Listen, Ben. May have even been gone before Charles Carroll told the story of Tom's Gates. It doesn't matter. I know. So you were right. No, I wasn't right. This room is real, Ben. And that means the treasure is real. We're in the company of some of the most brilliant minds in history because you found what they left behind for us to find and understood the meaning of it. You did it, Ben, for all of us. Your grandfather and all of us. And I've never been so happy to be proved wrong. I just really thought I was going to find the treasure. OK. Then we just keep looking for it. I'm in. OK. Not to be Johnny Raincloud here, but that's not going to happen. Because as far as I can see, we're still trapped down here. Yeah. Oh. Now, Ben, where's this other way out? Well, that's it. It doesn't make any sense. Because the first thing the builders would have done after getting down here was cut a secondary shaft back out for air. Right. And in case of cave-ins. from the library at Alexandria. Could this be possible? 
big bluish green man with a strange looking goatee. I'm guessing that's significant. is it worth to you? That's the question. That's the big question that Jesus was asking his disciples, his followers. What is the kingdom of heaven worth to you? And then the secondary question I want to ask as a challenge is what are you willing to do to get it? What's it worth to you? Knowing that there is this amazing treasure, the kingdom of God, salvation, being made righteous in the sight of God. What's it worth to you? What are you willing to do to get it? That's the big question. And the way that you answer that question, moving forward will change everything. Charles and I, at the end of the service, um, we would love to talk through uh, with you guys if you have any questions about what that means, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to pursue that treasure, even if you've already found it, even if you already are a believer, even if you already are a Jesus follower and you just want to keep going and you, you just you don't have enough. We would love to just sit and talk with you about what you can do moving forward and how you can continue to pursue the kingdom of God because unlike the treasure that we have here, while we're living on earth, it's not something that we can just have. It's something that we get and then we get to keep diving deeper and deeper into it. It's wonderful. So again, as we wrap up, I want you to really ask yourselves, what is the kingdom worth to you? What are you willing to do to get it? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for, um, oh gosh, just how amazing you are. And that what you have given to us, we will never fully be able to understand the incredibleness of it. We will never be able to fully understand how amazing the gift that you've given to us is. The only thing that we can do is read your word and, and read how you describe it like a priceless pearl, like a great treasure, Father. And God, I pray that, that we would stop at nothing in pursuing that treasure and that we would be so excited about pursuing that treasure that we would pull other people in to that hunt with us and that we would change their lives as well. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for the wonderful gift that you've given us, even though we don't deserve it. I pray that if there's anyone here today 
that needs to make a decision or needs to move closer to you, Father, that just wants to talk, that you would give them the boldness to come and talk to Charles. It's in Jesus' wonderful name that we do these things. Amen.